Podcraft. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one partners, family, friends, co workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Managing Conflicts in Your Partnership. I have a discussion with my wife, Ivana Rainbow, and we give you a peek into our relationship of how we manage our conflicts and such things as agreements that we have come up with when we fight, when we have conflict, and when we disagree. We also discuss origins of some unhealthy patterns that we have recognized in our early years and how we change them. We also give tips and tools we use to buffer these flare-ups. And we also talk about how unhealthy behaviors such as defensiveness and contempt has shown up in our conflicts and what we do to transform these behaviors. And before we get on with the show, I want to mention a couple upcoming workshops that uh, we are giving. My wife, Ivana Rainbow, is giving a playful voice empowering workshop on Sunday, April 7th from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Light Center in Black Mountain, North Carolina. And during this playful voice empowering workshops, participants will explore their voice in a safe group environment. So embark on a journey into the landscape of your voice and bask in the energized sound waves co-created within the amazing acoustics of the beautiful dome of the Light Center in Black Mountain, North Carolina. There is no previous experience necessary. The fee is a sliding scale of $15 to $20. And my wife has been facilitating these workshops for the past eight years. You can check out more information on this workshop at her website or for future upcoming workshops for this summer and fall, go to artsygoddessstudio.com or see the show notes for links to the website. And the other workshop that I want to talk about that we are co-facilitating together is called the Power of Appreciation Workshop for Couples. And this is on Saturday, April 27th in Asheville, North Carolina. And in this workshop, couples will learn the keys of unlocking the power of appreciation in your relationships. Because genuine appreciation, regardless of how simple or profound, has been proven to bring an immediate shift in the quality and closeness of loving relationships. So this workshop, The Power of Appreciation for Couples, will teach you the necessary skills and fundamental process of enriching your relationship with your partner and deepening the connection and enhancing the flow of positivity. So to learn more about The Power of Appreciation Workshop, visit my website, heartsharecounseling.com, or you can call 828-712-8398 to find out more information or to register. You can also check out the show notes and it will give you more information and hyperlinks. Okay, everybody, enjoy this episode, Managing Conflicts in Your Partnership. (music) 
So I have my wife in the studio today that we're going to talk about managing conflicts in relationships and we're going to talk about how we manage conflicts in our relationship because we do have them. You know, we do focus a lot on positivity and appreciation, which I've stressed in past podcasts that we'll talk about, but we are going to focus today on how we manage our conflicts. What I've enjoyed about our relationship in the last 24 years is that we are so focused on our growth together as a couple and bettering ourselves and looking at a lot of issues that we want to thrive in. Thanks, honey, for journeying with me on that adventure. Mm-hmm. It has been very interesting these past 24 years, and they have certainly been lively and deep and with disagreements and lots of communication. Because we come a long way. You know, when we first got together, we definitely had a lot of positive um, things that brought us together, a lot of ways that we connected in our values and beliefs and our dreams. And we also brought in a lot of shit, a lot of baggage that we had to work with over the years. So in the past, early on in our relationship, we didn't manage conflicts so great. No. And even the first year we were together at SLN, we were having lots of conflicts to be worked out and getting to know each other more and the way we react and understand. We, we came from so different backgrounds too and cultures. Yeah. And back in, I would say like the old days, one of my go-tos around conflict was uh, bolting leaving the room and slamming and shutting the doors. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was something I grew up with that, that I learned of in some way how to deal with conflict and in that way when I wasn't happy about it. So I really had to work at that. And I'm so glad that you stayed with me to work on that. Yeah. And some of my ways, how I did it there is like, I could be quite fiery and just flare up right on the spot and be defensive. And no, that was not what, da, 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 da. Or I would get into the stonewalling and withdrawing in silence. Yeah. And sometimes that still rears its head a little bit. Like, I really believe that we do have positive, appreciative, loving, and kind interactions 90% of our relationship. And 10%, we have disagreements. And uh, three or four are really challenging disagreements, three or 4%. But in the old days, early on, that was like 30% that was really challenging, that we would have a lot of conflict. So we really turned things around. Mm-hmm. I think it's a relationship-long issue to deal with and to perfect yeah because i think that you know when i talk about managing conflict i want people to really understand that uh, managing conflict is a better focus than resolving conflict because as we know there are many still unresolvable small little conflicts that we have and the work that i do with couples they have unresolvable conflict and if you're always focused on resolving conflict you're going to really miss the aspect of just being able to manage the conflict to come back in good connection. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have some unresolved conflicts and that we might never get to solve. Yeah, with just two different views on them. 
Yeah, some of those repetitive, unresolvable conflicts, I think uh, I can think of one is around money. And everybody's mm-hmm. like kind of <laughs> nodding their head. We come from different backgrounds around money. I really like to save money. I grew up with a parent that had some challenging issues with money and went into a depression and then couldn't really sustain themselves financially. And so I saw that happen and I did not want that happening in, in my life at all. So I have a much more of a focus on we need to save money. And some of your focus is more about we need to really have experiences and joy money we never know when we're not going to be around yes i'm very much like that let's uh, live in the now and spend all the money right now and trust <laughs> that more money will come i'm a bit like that i know especially just when i met you i was very much like that now i've um, been a little bit more flavored about your approach to money that it is a good idea to save money so i have learned to save money too and conserve the money. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't want to give people the impression that you spend unresponsibly at all. You're very good at how you're responsible in your spending. It's just a different philosophy of what we want to do with our money. And that's been going on for years. So that's something that I don't know how we're going to resolve that. It's more about managing it. And that's at times really understanding each other's point of view. Exactly, because we really have different point of views on this, but we can compromise on a lot of it. And we just have our different personalities. Yeah. We can't change each other there. <laughs> do, do, you, do you remember many years ago, about 18 years ago, when we were at the, the Renaissance Festival and and I was buying a bunch of clothes and oh, spending a lot yes. of money. And you wanted me to buy these really cool leather boots. They were handmade leather boots that went all the way up to my knee. And they were $500 for the, these boots. And you really wanted me to have it. Oh, you would have looked so good in those boots. <laughs> they, they were just pirate-like or so. They were going to bring out another part in you. And remember what happened? What, what did I do? You hyperventilated. <laughs> you had to sit down. There was a huge rock right there. You sat down on the rock, and I thought you were going to faint. I was really afraid. Yeah, I was hyperventilating because I felt the pressure to spend that kind of money that you were saying, oh, we should, you should spend this money. It's going to be great. And I'm thinking, there's no way in hell I'm spending $500 on um, boots right now. I'm not even working. Yeah, I know. And when I get excited about something, I'm like, wow, Prebu, you're going to look so cool in these boots. And I talk really highly for it. And I can probably be quite convincing. And And I don't want to disappoint you. mm -hmm, And you hear my passion and my joy on how you will look in these boots. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you were hibernating for at least five minutes there. And I was like, (laughs) okay, we will not talk more about you getting those boots. Yeah, so the end of the story, folks, I did not buy the boots. I recovered, uh, but that was kind of an issue of a really interesting experience of, one, the vast differences that we had about some value systems around that and our reactions to it. Yeah, and that was the first time I experienced you getting a meltdown, mm. and that was about money. Right, yeah. Yeah, so in the, that's right. Most of my, let's say, so-called meltdowns a little bit have been around money because... 
there's an aspect of security in that, right? You know, money is this fall is a sense secured security in the material world, but also it's a false sense of security as we know. We can't control everything in our lives. So that goes to my core issue around security and also probably around my astrology that you can probably put a put a little twist in on how important it is for our cancer to also have a sense of uh, Oh, yeah, security. your son is in cancer, and right. they want security, and your rising sign is Capricorn, so they want money and security, too. Yeah. So no wonder this is important to you. Yeah. So I love that when you use astrology, something that you have a good relationship with, then you have more understanding towards me on that. And again, that's the basis of how we manage that conflict of an unresolvable issue like money is that we try to get more understanding and more curious and more interested of the other person and what they're going through instead of arguing and debating why we think that something should happen. Mm -hmm. I have compassion for you and I understand that is how you are. So before we also maybe talk about and get into some of the issues of some of the agreements that you and I make around how we manage our conflict, how we manage fighting, the one thing that I'm going to emphasize over and over again is our foundational aspect of our relationship, just like you know that old adage, you build a foundation for your house and everything else is dependent on it. Ours is around positive interactions and appreciations. And when we really discovered the power of appreciation, which we're pl I'm plugging in our workshop for April 27th, <laughs> is how important that exchange of appreciation is that enables us to talk and understand our conflict and manage our conflict. Yeah, we just decided that uh, we're going to change the habit of scanning for faults and negativity to start scanning for positive and appreciations. And that habit just totally flipped how we also manage conflict because even in conflict, there are times that we also see the positivity that's coming out from it. The positivity that also the other person has a certain point of view we want to acknowledge or the growth that's coming out of this conflict. We're looking at some positive aspects of the conflict because that's what we're looking for more. We're not looking for faults of one another. And therefore, we're not being contemptuous and we're not also blaming and we're not focusing on the negative. And I see that a lot with couples is when they talk about a conflict in my office, that's all they talk about is the negative aspects and it spirals deeper, deeper, and deeper into the flavor of the conflict of the day and they feel worse off because they're just focusing on it. They're not focusing at all on what they can do to change it. They're not focusing at all on what their partner is also bringing to the table that they need to understand and they're not also focusing on what they're bringing and taking responsibility to change the conflict. And I just love being able to do that with you, Ventron, because you're such a positive person too. And, and again, some people think that we gloss over some of our, let's say, challenges, but it's not glossing over. It's actually feeding that positivity and that appreciation so that we could talk about the challenging issues from that standpoint so that we really see each other and so forth. And, and you're so good at being able to see positivity in life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that comes naturally to me, and I'm very grateful for that. And being with you have definitely um, added more positive words of appreciation into my life. And it just feels so good when we give appreciations to each other throughout the day. And when you're off at work and I'm working at home, uh, now and when we will leave a message, a voice message or a text message, positive message. It's just a way of staying in contact and feeding the positiveness. Yes, and what what that also really helps us is when we have those small conflicts, like in the morning sometimes when I'm trying to get out out of the house and I've got a lot of things on my mind and so forth, you might come in with a request or something and I feel like maybe you're piling on some some different focus or maybe your agenda. That mm-hmm. we- yeah, I used to do that. It's like, oh, can you just do this while you're in town also? And can you do this and da-da-da to be efficient and get these things in because then it will save me a trip to town. Yeah, and sometimes we have this little spat that comes from it. Yeah, because I can understand you're already in the mindset and, and you have your morning planned out, do this and this and this efficiently before you're heading out the door. And uh, then I'm all of a sudden piling stuff on, on that and you're already so full. Hmm. Yeah. And so reflecting upon that in my drive of how that conflict occurred and what I want to do about it, and sometimes what I end up doing about it is I will send you a voicemail of uh, apologizing for how I left um, or the energy that I gave you. And a lot of that comes from the constant positive texts that we send that outside of conflict, it makes it a lot easier for me to do that or own up to it and so forth that I know I'm not going to get blamed and arrows going to get keep getting thrown at me for mistakes that I made. So that's one way that all these positive reinforcements really helps. I know for me, to be able to take accountability and responsibility when I know that I may be in the wrong or I gave you negative energy. Mm-hmm. And those texts from you bring us back on the track of the positive loving flow again. It mm. feels so good receiving those messages from you. Mm. And then, of course, I'll reply one back to you and take responsibility for my part in it and apologize for piling stuff on you and not checking in and asking if you're available right now. Right. Yeah. And that's been something that we really had to learn that art of apology that we call it in workshops that we've given on that. Cause that's a big part of how we manage our conflict is to give really good apologies and take responsibility and accountability when we know we have influence of the conflict. It instantly diffuses a lot of the escalation and the blame and the back and forth that can take place. So I'm Mm -hmm. glad that we focused and really understood the power of also apologies. Yeah, and and we also came to realize we actually have some agreements on how to disagree and fight and how to apologize. Yeah. And we created those a few years ago, brought them up in the open and actually formulated them. And we're going to be also doing some online workshops, of course, on our appreciation workshop that uh, we do in person. And we're going to be doing online workshops on also apologies. So 
stay tuned for that, folks. We'll be teaching you a lot of good tips and a lot of agreements on how to make around apologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great workshops. And they are, I mean, I did not learn growing up from my mom and dad how to apologize other than, you know, you go say you're sorry. It's yeah. like there is much more to apologizing than that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do you want from me? I said, I'm sorry. You know, that kind of attitude. <laughs> it takes it takes a lot to be able to reflect back on ourselves, to self-soothe, to calm down enough, and to have enough compassion to know I'm a human being that I just made a mistake. Take the mirror back onto me instead of pointing my fingers on you, what you're doing to make me angry, and look at, wait, wait a second, how did I contribute to this? And, yeah, what was my part in this? Well, can I really listen to some of the things that you're saying, maybe in a heated moment that you don't like what I'm doing, instead of me defending myself, can I actually just take some accountability? Yeah, and it takes some training well, to be able to, in the the heated moment, to actually see, wow, the other person is right with this, and actually I, I admire how the other person right now is expressing himself herself yeah and we're getting better and better at it but we still have those challenges where it comes up that it's hard to see just like a a few weeks ago around the the dishwasher that came up we've got this thing where when the dishwasher is clean the dishes in the dishwasher is clean you have this I put a sign in, it's orange, and it's round, shaped like an American football. It's small. Since you're such a sports enthusiast, (laughs) I chose that sign, and I wrote on it with big, bold letters, clean, and I put it in the top rack of the dishwasher when it's clean and still air drying. And And there are times that, that I don't see it. And I'll just go ahead and put dirty dishes in it. And I say, shit, damn, this is clean, isn't it? And you get pretty impatient with me. And, and I'm like, oh, no, why did you make dirty dishes into the clean? Yeah. Oh, and I will most likely come across with contempt. Yes, with contempt. and Criticism, I, mm-hmm. judging you. Yep. And I'm kind of stupid that I didn't there. see that sign that you put up and... And just yeah, last, especially that. Right. Oh, gosh, you're so stupid. Why didn't you see that orange sign? Yeah, I don't recall you saying that. I'm But so I don't stupid. say stupid, though. Right. Yeah, but I think I feel it. Right. Yeah. So you feel the energy coming from me. Yeah, because that's the one thing that we also made agreements on, folks, is that we don't do any name-calling when we're in conflict. That's been one that we really learned from the past, and we'll talk about that a little later. But the story, to get back to the story then, so when that happened, and I wanted to, I guess, in some way explain myself that, you know, we need a better system. We a need bigger sign a or bigger something. A bigger sign, yeah. And you didn't want I'm like, any- no, we don't need that. This orange is good enough. Right. And I started I was saying, totally disregarding you. Totally disregarding me. And I, when I started to explain some things of why I think it would be better, this is what came out. You said to me, and so what? And woof. So what? Yeah, you didn't say it like that. You went, and so what? So what? And uh, to me, that was so so dismissive and contemptuous and and uh, some things that I grew up around. And so that was a big trigger for me. And we ended up catching it. We didn't let it escalate. 
which was a good thing. We tried to come back to it, and that was kind of difficult to come back to it. I was really impressed how you handled it there. You did not come back at me at all. You had made this white long sign that said clean, and you wanted that in the dishwasher. And, oh gosh, I was so disregarding your initiative. I'm so embarrassed about that now. Yeah. So when you did, I didn't I didn't continue to try to push it. And uh, No, you so backed off. I backed off. And, and you mm-hmm. didn't raise your voice or anything. And sure. you just, okay, yeah. you got quiet. And then a week later, I brought it up again and calmly explained how I felt. Um, and how That was when we were out walking. That's right. That's when we were out walking. And mm-hmm. that helps us a lot. We resolve or manage and move through some of our conflicts while we walk and we can talk about it. And it's very powerful for us to do that. I talked about it on past podcasts of how beneficial walking is. Movement, looking at the same viewpoint, holding hands and so forth. It's very hard to stop and get angry. So we were talking about it and you had more opening. You were more willing to listen. You were more willing to take also accountability about saying, and so what of how that hurt Mm -hmm. that there was another way for you to also say what you were feeling yeah we had probably been walking for 20 minutes so i felt in a really good space with you and we had been holding hands and all of a sudden you bring it up and i was like oh gosh i had kind of forgotten that we had that incident around the dishwasher last week i was like Oh, yes, I don't think I really apologized for that. And we we talked that through. So we started talking about it and you were explaining it. And because of the walk, I was in a space where I could actually hear you. And it made sense what you said. And I felt this, oh, gosh, embarrassment. Now I did it again. Mm. And over such a little issue, and I'd blurted out so big Yeah, and the, words. And the reason for that we bring it up, you know, that I brought it up, was not about that the issue about the dishwasher. It's what's underlying it, of feeling invalidated and not respected for my viewpoint or how I was feeling. And those, what might be called like unresolvable issues in some way, but that's that's the underlying aspect of when you're bringing up repetitive or conflicts from the past, you want to look at underlying issues. And for me, that was so important for you to understand around I felt invalidated, I didn't feel respected and seen. That's what I wanted to come across to you of what was important for you to understand. Yes, and you explained that so well, I really got it. Mm -hmm. Wow, I was really coming at you with this disrespect and... You know, this... Uh, contempt. Contempt. Right, yeah. yeah. John and Gottman. I really got what contempt was there. Yeah, right. And as John Gottman, one of the researchers on, on couples work, he says that about 85% of couples that have levels of contempt end up not continuing their relationship. So it's a huge poison, contempt, like one of the number one poisons in relationships. But also you had this realization that reflected back of where did that come from? Because that's really not like you to say things like that. So what? How you said that. And you reflected upon that you also grew up witnessing that. Yeah. 
I love my mom and dad. I grew up in a lively family and we were four kids and there was a lot of closeness and there was also unhealthy communication modeling during conflicts, including contempt, which showed itself like eye-rolling and disgust and defensiveness and cutting down. And I don't remember there being any follow-up on the issues later when everything gone calm again. My parents was role models in flaring up really quick and deflect and not taking responsibility, but put it in on the other part instead that you were wrong. So I grew around, up around that role modeling of you don't need in a fight to, to take responsibility for it. It's, you can just defend yourself and blame it on the other one. Yeah. And Who has the strongest argument to go yeah, back and, and forth. Yeah, and it would be loud mm. uh, yelling. They were really good role models at that. So I grew up around that, and that is very much deflecting, defending, and taking it away from me and over to you. So that was the tools I learned. So, of course, I implemented them in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Some of the other things that you spoke to recently of some of the things that you learned was around stonewalling. The way that I used to, of course, stonewall was I would just kind of leave, uh, slam the door, um, or just really um, not pay attention. And that's a form of stonewalling, not paying attention. And there are times where I feel that you may stonewall or have more in the past. And you said that that also came from a defensive mechanism that you had to do when. Yeah, when when my dad, for example, was yelling at me and raising his voice, I would just need to protect myself and do this emotional disconnect by shutting down and walking away. After a while of screaming at each other, I just had to walk away, stonewall. Yeah, so there was a part of you that needed to protect yourself and you bring that part in our relationship that's what we do we bring those past aspects of protectionism in our relationships especially around conflict Mm -hmm. and then after quite a while of exercising this with each other we realizing that we needed some safety around disagreeing and fighting and that we could not just walk away we also had to the other partner had to be sure that the other one would come back. Yeah. And like I tell couples, it's really important that you say when you're going to come back. Give a time frame, whether it's two hours or at four o'clock, that you know that you're going to come back. Because I have couples that really just go at it and one disses themselves, the other one pursues, you know, all the way to the bedroom, knocking down the door because they don't feel that they're ever going to get to it again, that that person that just withdrawn is not going to come back and try to resolve it. So one of our big agreements is that when one of us needs to withdraw from the conflict because we're not available, it's getting too heated, and that we say when we are going to come back to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so important. It gives safety. Because I remember from back when, especially in the teenage years, fighting with my dad, we would both just yell and no one would listen to each other and then I would walk away. And 
that kind of stonewalling there, I would feel, well, there's no point in telling my feelings or my opinions because I'm not being listened to anyway. So that's why I would walk away. Hmm. And I had that habit in me and brought that to our relationship. And also because of your experience with your dad yelling, that was a big part of our agreements was that was very difficult to you when I would escalate and raise my voice and yell. Yeah, and that would really close me down. Right. And I think there's a big difference between having an intense emotion around something or yelling. When yelling happens in escalation in that way, it's hard to resolve. You're being flooded. I know I'm flooded and I'm triggered and nothing usually comes well from that. So... Um, we made that agreement that when yelling gets to, into it, that we need to take a break. Mm-hmm. You know, like, then, like 20 minutes to a half hour, like go self-soothe. Yeah. yeah. Simply just stop mid-sentence. Right. And that's where I think that we are better and better at it with each other is that we stop it. And we know that we are going to resolve from a much healthier place later on. And... That's the key, I think, for couples to know that you do have to get back to it and resolve it. Because if you don't, then you have this kind of intense, impatient impulsiveness that you got to resolve it right away. (laughs) And then there's two just back and forth in escalation. So really, folks, really try to work on that aspect of stopping and self-soothing yourself. Bring down the stress and the cortisol hormones and, and the triggers so that you can come back. And something that we recently are are doing is before we come back and discussing a challenge or a conflict that we have, we sit with each other and just breathe for like five minutes, really deep breathing. So we're regulating our system in order to be calm and open to the dialogue. Yeah, that works really well because the role model we had from growing up, both of us, was that if... We we thought we had to also solve the conflict in the middle of the heat and that solving it, uh, the one who could raise the voice the loudest would be the one who solved the conflict. That's how I grew up. And so we had to learn some other tools about that is not the time to solve it. It's much wiser to stop right there and make space and go breathe and go find your inner peace and center again before we meet to attempt to talk about it again. Yeah, because when we didn't do that and we just went back and forth, it was really eroding the relationship. You know, we talked about how there's you and there's me and the entity of our relationship. And when we're just going back and forth and blaming and arguing, we're not taking care of our relationship. We're not taking care of the aspect of safety and understanding and interest that will bring us back in connection. So that was so important for us to understand is how much that was eroding and taking away that we were trying to be understood, but we were doing in such a way that just was detrimental to our relationship. Mm -hmm. It has really been wonderful being with you and growing older and wiser together Mm -hmm. and experimenting with disagreements and fights And it becoming clear to us that it's not just you and me, but it's also our relationship is a living organism that has its own life and and we have to nourish that. Mm. 
each one of us have to take responsibility of showing up and self-soothe and uh, release tension. Go off alone and do that and decrease stress so that when we come back in relationship, we are more realigned with ourselves yeah, we and are- not look to the other partner to do that. But take responsibility and do it yourself, like go for a walk or go listen to some soothing music for a little bit or, or take a shower. Something that you know will bring you more in contact with yourself. Yeah, we each have to take responsibility of bringing in what part of ourselves that we want to bring into that organism. You know, I'm part of that organism, so I got to think what part of myself do I want to bring into that organism that creates the identity of it. And you're, you're so right. And I think that so many of people that are realizing that it's getting away from the common thought process of stress is just a way to be. You know, people always think about um, they're so stressed out and that's kind of a good thing in some ways. That means that they're being productive or doing so much. Yeah, it seems in our society today and have been for a while, of course, that it's honorable to be stressed out. Yeah. That means you're working hard, that you're being productive. Yeah, You know, a lot of times people get questioned when you say, oh, I'm doing really well. I feel really relaxed. It's like, really? So maybe you're not working hard enough. Yeah, I experience that a lot from other people. When I find myself in conversations with others and often their issue comes around to something negative, negative news or complaining about something or ruminating about them feeling stuck in their lives. And I listen for a little while and... It's just a natural tendency in me to look for what is positive in this issue here. How can we get on a positive path from here? So I shine my energetic flashlight in there to um, highlight what I think would be a positive path out of this. And what I experience now and then from that is that I feel a little like judged about, ah, you're always so positive and think there's a way out. But this is really a tough issue and we're stuck and it's it's a problem. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't want to stay stuck here. Let's focus on the positive. Let's get a way out of this. Well, I think there's a difference between what you're saying when people wallowing in it and getting stuck in it, as opposed to glossing over and denying that there are challenging issues. I don't believe that you do that. I don't believe that you... Actually, that is not what I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Always try to look for some solutions. Right. So you don't just gloss over and say, I don't want to talk about the negativity because it's bad. It's like, no, let's focus on some of the other aspects so that we can understand what the challenge is and to try to resolve it or transform it from yeah that how point can of view. we change this around and you know i just am so appreciative that when both of us encourage each other to take care of ourselves like i love when you're nurturing and self-nurturing because i know you're bringing back a, a part of you in the relationship that is going to be more whole that is going to be more present that is going to be of course uh, more kind 
more understanding. And that's what's needed when we do have these flare-ups and conflicts. So I think couples should totally encourage each other to take care of themselves and nurture themselves so they can bring a good part of themselves back into their relationship and maintain. I know I've got to maintain with meditation, with some physical exercises, and most of all, like emptying my plate and making sure I'm not being overloaded so that I'm not being able to listen to you because I got too much on my plate and I get irritated. Yeah. And just yesterday, it was Sunday, and I was going off to my writing workshop. And then I thought when I was there, well, maybe I'll just give you a little more alone time at home because often when you're home, I'm home too. And I just thought, I'll give you some space and you just feel the home is yours. So I stayed out and had lunch with a friend and ran some errands. I took another little nap in the chair hammock. So that was really nice for about 15 minutes, taking care of myself. So it's little things like that that I know help uh, nourish and bring back a sense of self into the challenges that may come up later on. So I think it's also important just to kind of get an overall view of some good strategies to manage conflict. And of course, what I said before is really be cognizant of not using any of those four horsemen, the criticism, the contempt, the defensiveness, and the stonewalling. You got to monitor yourself, yourself, not your partner, monitor yourself and see if you're doing any of those things and cut those things out. Another strategy to manage conflict is stay on the subject of the conflict. Don't be bringing in tangential things or past issues that pile on to the specific thing that needs focus. Another aspect to that is cross-complaining, and that would be when your partner is talking about some conflict that you bring in something like, well, you did that last week too, or you always do that, right? When you use the word never or always, or when you bring in, well, you're just like your mother and she does that, right? You're not staying focused on the specific problem and issue that needs to be talked about. Another thing that needs to be talked about that I think is really important is like a deal breaker. It's really important to avoid putting the relationship on the line when conflict happens. That can create anxiety about abandonment and it makes it way more difficult to resolve the issues. It also erodes trust in the relationship. So don't threaten to leave the relationship unless you are actually considering it. That's a big one. Another is like share the power and the time. Uh, when you are having a conflict, remember to make space for your partner. Sometimes what we do is that we actually have a alarm, a timer, and we let one person speak for five minutes and we just listen and we practice really giving that person that space to speak what they need to express. That's a really important one because when you have that, there is no escalation. You're not talking over each other and then it cannot flame and escalate. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> when we put the timer on and the other yeah. one cannot interfere, you just have five minutes of telling how I feel about this issue here and I'm just being witnessed and listened to. Yeah. And that also enables you to try to put yourself in their shoes. 
maybe they are raising a relevant point when you're just really listening. And of course, listening means that you're being curious and interested in what that person has to say, and you're not thinking of the next thing that you're going to say and try to rebuttal it. That is not true listening. And another ways to manage conflict, of course, is really working on reacting. Don't react. Take some long, slow, deep breaths before you say something. Stopping for even a short time can help you calm down and give a gentler response. I think that that's the one thing that is key to this is working on yourself in that area. We're talking about perhaps partnerships and ways that we make agreements and work on with each other. But the main key and the foundation is constantly working on yourself to be able to bring a more healthy self to these challenging issues. Calming yourself, taking deep breaths, recognizing where your mind might go in blame or contempt, being very cognizant of the words that you use because they are so powerful. You can't take them back. You can try to say, I didn't mean that, but it's already out there. And so it's really important that you mean what you say and people will trust you then too. And one part of that self-control is also you've got to realize at times if you're criticizing somebody, you're criticizing your partner, you've got to stop in mid-sentence. That takes a lot of self-reflection, self-awareness and discipline to be able to stop and hold yourself at that point and go to yourself, you know, I know I'm going off here. I am not doing something that's productive. And you can stop right there in mid-sentence. When you get really good at managing some conflict that may be not highly escalated, but maybe a disagreement, if you're able to take your partner's hands and maybe hold their hand and look at them while you're speaking of something that's challenging, that brings a wonderful connection. Also, giving a good hug when you are talking about something that may be challenging, that you're making a request, or the other person that maybe is apologizing at that time, that contact is so important. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. It gives safety in fighting with you mm. when minutes after we've been fighting, you'll come over and stand in front of me and take your arms out and you look into my eyes to see if I'm available to receive this hug from you. Like checking in silently. Mm. Can I give you a... And then you say, can I give you a hug? Mm. Oh, that feels so good. I'm glad you said that. My intention is for a connection. It's not to squash you. It's not to try to just gloss over and make it all better just through a hug like I know I grew up with. Give me a hug and we'll make it all better. It's not about that. It's Mm -hmm. just really about... It's not wiping away uh, what we disagreed about. The disagreement is still there, but it's a gesture of saying... I'm coming back to meet you, and I love you, Right. and I'm willing to talk about this at some point when we're both ready. And it's a nice, good, long hug, not a quick one, because you want to sink in and get comfortable with the other person physically also. That's so important that your parasympathetic nervous system starts to get down and that you can really feel safe with that person physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we stand there, and we hold each other in that hug, and we at least breathe three deep breaths with each other. Yeah, 
Exactly, to feel that sinking in of comfortability and safety. And it's a wonderful thing, as you all know, is to feel safe physically around somebody else. It's not about whether the person's going to physically harm you. It's just the aspect that your body is comfortable with this other person because there's trust around how you interact with one another. I think it's so important to talk about what can we agree upon And we do this when we're in peacetime with each other. Sit down and talk about what can we agree about how we will fight. Yeah. So that's a big one, folks, because I hear over and over couples do not want to talk about that issue, about how do we deal with conflict when they're grooving, when they're doing well, because they don't want to mess it up. And I think it's so naive to think that Being in a relationship, there's not going to be a disagreement and fights. It's a guarantee. So you want to be able to talk about it when you're actually grooving and doing well. What better time to talk about making agreements? What better time to talk about how you can navigate and manage conflict when you're connected? You don't have to get into the nitty gritties of a particular issue because that's not what it's about. It's talking about how you're going to go about it. So by all means, talk about how to manage conflict and make agreements when you're connected with each other. So go explore and have that adventure of understanding each other and managing conflict. And remember again, folks, it's not about resolving all of your conflict. It's about managing it. Because those studies that show that about 69% of all conflict is unresolvable. So it's more about accepting that that's going to be some experience and really managing it so you have much better connection with each other. Mm-hmm. And we just know that probably for the rest of our relationship, we're going to have disagreements and, and fights about it. And it's about managing it. We're and not going to resolve it. No, but we become closer and more respectful and kind through that process. And that's what conflict is about, is trying to get more understanding and get closer through it. Mm-hmm. I love this journeying with you. And it's really wonderful to have been in this relationship for so long with you. And we keep uh, refining it and making it better and deeper. It's really an exciting journey with you. Mm, me too, love. I'm looking forward to more and more times where we crank up the growth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit HeartShareCounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at AdiTheMonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us. Thank you.